1: I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly.
0: And the homes are about to be taken over. Yeah. By homework. <laughs> School is starting so soon. It's unbelievable how fast the summer goes, and every summer seems to go faster. Okay, so your kids are in daycare. Yeah, they're four in two. Yeah, they're in like Do they a get preschool. Homework? Oh gosh, no. Thank oh, thank goodness. goodness. Thank goodness.
1: That could happen. You know, we're on that trajectory. That, that little ones could be starting to get homework, but it is it is a, such a change of season in so many ways. When your kids are, especially, I think, starting in, in middle school is when the real hours of homework begin. Yeah. And my philosophy on that, we've talked about it a little bit and we're going to talk about it more today, is get them used to doing it early, get that routine set early so then it when it really hits – it's not a surprise to them.
0: So that's a good thing, because when I was growing up, I was the biggest procrastinator in the world, Marjorie. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was it's like, hard to imagine. I have started papers at 10 p.m. the night before <laughs> they are due. I have faked my way through so much homework. It's shocking. And what's interesting about it, Marjorie, is that I'm... Petrified of passing this on to my children because yeah, my don't. parents passed it on to me. My parents are terrible procrastinators, okay? My oh, mom is an interior designer and she is, you know, that's a very creative field. So this is, I mean, her life is getting presentations ready and pulling fabrics and pulling things. Right. She is constantly. Down to the wire, waiting oh. until the very last minute, Marjorie. My dad was oh. a Lutheran minister when I was growing up, okay? Saturday nights. Sunday comes oh. every week at the same time. Oh. And every week he has to deliver a sermon. A sermon. And... And that's a big darn deal. Well, it's an 18-minute speech every single yeah. week to, very, you know, people who are expecting the spirit to be invoked upon I was, them. I mean, it's I a lot more, of pressure.
1: I was more of a fan of the 8-minute sermon. Yeah, but I forget you. What
0: denomination was your father? Missouri Synod Lutheran. He didn't go over long. 18. 18 <laughs> like, does. Now 18 feels really long. Back does. then, it was a lot shorter than any sort of Catholic mass, so it felt <laughs> like we were getting away with something, but that's that's how it is. But I remember Saturday nights my dad was up all night all night he wouldn't do his sermon until saturday nights all saturday night he'd be up all night and then he would do three services and then have to come home and nap the rest of the day i mean it was really i come from this line of procrastinators and it is what i did with homework and it is what i fear most with my children and then fundamentally i think that homework shouldn't exist i think it's terrible and awful And offensive even. Because I feel like it creates this culture where we're expected to bring our work home. And we should have work time and then family and play time. Okay, this is going to be an interesting little podcast. Because we couldn't
1: disagree more fundamentally.
0: No! (laughs) And I'm already getting so worked
1: up. (laughs) I know, this is going to be so interesting. I was never a procrastinator. Of course you were. I was the kid that loved homework. (laughs) I know. I would bring my whole backpack home. Every single day, whole locker in the backpack, home. Loved, really loved to sit and do it. Um, Jeez. I know, loved, I remember doing, and I am not bragging on myself. This is, the, I am the other extreme of you. I remember doing a report on World War II in seventh grade that was 45 pages long. God, Marjorie Powell. <laughs> and I loved it. Ugh.
0: I loved it. I know. I and thought, I, how can I do the bare minimum to get an A-minus or a B-plus? There
1: you go. That was
0: exactly it.
1: And I, I wanted to get an A-plus every time. I am
0: so sure about <laughs> this. This does not surprise me. So, Well, I'm really glad that we have oh, an expert here to help us with our extremist views. Yes, we do. we need someone to go a little bit more middle of the road. So I am really, really happy about our guest today. Her name is Jenny Hanlon. And Jenny is someone who just really, from the moment I met her, I thought, I love this calm wisdom about her. I just love how she approaches a relationship with children and the idea of parenting and teaching children. And I met her long before I had children, Marjorie. So it was, she's always just stuck with me as someone that I like to know what she's doing, and I feel like if I followed in her footsteps, I would be successful. So that's where we're coming from with Jenny. Jenny is a parenting and education expert, and she's a preschool teacher at a nature preschool in White Bear Lake Schools, and a parent educator and a family consultant through Stillwater ECFE here in Minnesota. And of course, okay. she's a mama bear, so she <laughs> that's has <quite> the resume. <laughs> kids that are growing up. So Jenny, we're so happy that you're here. Hi, darling. Hi. Thank you for having me. Her Hi, very
2: Jenny. Sweet words to say. Well, Hello,
0: my. Mar- It is totally true.
2: Clearly, we need to find a middle way. (laughs) A middle way. Well, it was great to hear your perspective because I do feel like I am that that middle middle (laughs) somewhere in between you you two.
0: Like the that's chronic good. procrastinator and then the lunatic overachiever? Yeah, lunatic. That's, yes. yes. That's where well, we okay, are. I was
2: pre- myself in school was probably more like Marjorie, but as far as my opinion of where homework should be at this point is probably more. So Jenny, yeah, what season
0: more more than are than you in with your kids? Because I know that you're approaching a big transition.
2: Yes, yes. So both are in high school. The second one is 30 in high school for the first time and then Uh-oh. my son is a junior in high school.
0: How are you dealing with
1: that?
2: <laughs> it's interesting because one of the things I heard heard you say um as you were introducing things marjorie is to set up the routine early on and i feel like because we did that i'm at this point in my kids school i'm very hands off with homework Wow. Um, i mean i'll ask them like hey what homework do you have tonight but i i don't really have any i don't feel like it's at all my responsibility to make sure they get their homework done okay that's amazing
0: Um, and liberating But that's how I was too with the
2: kids in
1: high school, Elizabeth.
2: I I I swear. I think that's the goal. Like, we want to, that's where we want all kids to be at that point. And actually, the teachers appreciate that. Like, if I am wondering if one of my kids is is struggling and I'm trying to, and I'm struggling to get that that gauge from them mm-hmm. I might reach out to the teacher but I'll say you know I'm pretty hands-off with homework and they thank me for that oh that's um, good and I'll say that during conferences that they're like thank you because I do feel like we're kind of in this there's somewhat of a trend of parents over parenting when it comes yeah. to homework <laughs> yeah. and under parenting <laughs> <laughs> where it matters under parenting when it comes to looking at how they're using social media and all of that where that like We should be engaged in that, and a little bit disengaged at least um, high school. um,
0: Okay, that's really interesting that that idea, because what it it, I think Mm -hmm. what that shows is a symptom of this society that we're just obsessed with the idea of what it looks like on the outside because what it looks Mm -hmm. like on the outside when you obsess over homework and get them a good grade then it's Mm -hmm. showing that they're successful but the other stuff like that sort of emotional well-being and how are you handling Mm -hmm. social media and how are your relationships you don't get a grade for that so if parents you can't get that sort of tangible result
1: my sons went to a very small high school and one of the reasons i love the high school was the philosophy and their focus was what they wanted to grow in the school were lifelong learners that it wasn't about this moment that it was about really developing the kids curiosity their critical thinking skills their writing skills their their independence and it was all very much focused on who is the man that you're becoming and i think how this ties back to homework is sometimes elizabeth exactly what you said it becomes a focus on not who you are as a lifelong learner but who are, what are the grades that you're getting yeah and and yeah. ultimately that's not life-sustaining I mean I think of course you want to get through high school but focusing on I'm in every AP class and I've got I've got straight A's or I've got whatever yeah doesn't necessarily make for lifelong happiness or joy no it, can it might make for
0: like obsessive overachievers I mean just like right. doing anything to get to the the end, you know, whatever the means to the Mm -hmm. end is. So when you talk about homework, Jenny, I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I really, I fundamentally believe that it is wrong to have homework. (laughs) I just do. (laughs) I just don't like it. I don't like the idea. I just, I don't, I didn't like it when I was a kid. I felt that I was, a lot of my time was wasted when I was in school because I felt like, why shouldn't we? There's so much wasted time in this day that I could be getting all this stuff done and not have to bring it home and do this. And then I just, I didn't like that infringement. And part of it might have been the fact that my parents both had jobs that seemed to infringe on home a lot. And I just don't. Oh, that's interesting. I don't like that. It was always like evening meetings, evening this, Mm. having all this stuff spread out at home. And I just don't like it. So... Jenny, do you, I mean, what's your perspective on this? Because I get that I have this extreme view of it. But um, do you, I mean, this is a part of school life culture for the vast majority of students and families in this country. Mm. Is this good? Is this bad? What's your thought?
2: So I think it depends if they're following the the National Education Association's guidelines of amount of homework because there's a lot of schools that or teachers that go overboard with that, okay. and so based on research, the National Education Association recommends the ten-minute rule, stating students should receive or shouldn't have more than ten minutes of homework per grade per night. So what? That, and that recommendation starts at first grade. So okay, first is, grader, that, is that true for high what, school too? Yes. Yep. And so that would put a junior at just over two hours, or yeah, two hours of homework, or a little bit under two hours of homework. Well. Now, yeah, that's, right. that's a little tricky because what's unclear in that is each class. If you think about a junior, hat like a high school student has six classes sure. or six classes. It wouldn't make it wouldn't be okay for them to have two per class, two hours per class. Well, yeah, but that I-, I do feel like it's kind of a different story when you get to high school because. Each kid is going to be a little different with that. So my kids have actually not had much homework in the past few years because they're very efficient with their time at school where they have peers that have a ton of homework. And part of it is just their their personality and, and all of that. I think where this guideline is most important to look at is K through five, because yes. That is when so much of who they are is as a person is being developed. I mean, obviously, so much of that happened, too, in early childhood before they even got to kindergarten. And that family time is so, so critical. And so what when it's a problem, a big problem, is when little kids are getting homework where it is impacting their family time. Yeah. And that the relationship between the child and the parent becomes a, a homework and not about being good to each other and building on the relationship that they've already formed up until that point. And I've worked with so many families that have hindered parent-child relationships because of homework. No way. Why, why is that though? In, and okay.
1: in what, what are they fighting about? In, doing the homework or
2: what? What's fighting, hindering? It's it's a couple different things. Depending on the family. There's been some where it's the parents trying to micromanage it too much and it's shutting the child down like the parent is feeling like the child isn't managing it mature enough but we have to keep in mind that what we think is mature for a first grader is going to be very different for a seventh grader and right. and sometimes the parent's expectations of how the child can manage it is it's just too high. Um, I've seen it where the child is actually struggling or they're anxious about the work that they're oh. doing. and so
1: It's taking so
2: long to get through the homework. And then they're in tears and the parent feels this pressure like, well, I'm, I'm not showing that I care about education if I don't force my child to do this right now. And I think it's super important for parents to be in close communication with their child's teacher if at any point they feel like the homework is not falling within the youth guidelines, again, mostly for K through five, and if they feel like it's negatively impacting so, their relationship. So, gi- so give, me the gui- give me the guidelines
1: again
0: for K through five.
2: Yeah, so it's 10 minutes per grade per night. Okay, and so, if, if, so first grade, it, unclear, it would
0: be 10 but- minutes. Per night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: It's unclear because, like, first grade, they say 10 to 20 minutes. So it's really unclear if right. that starts in kindergarten or so. A third, a third grader, right. that would be 30 to 40 minutes. So,
0: I, you really know, I think the problem The struggle that I think a lot of people have, and I've talked to my friends about this because I have some girlfriends who have kids a little older than mine, is that I remember one of my friends was saying her frustration with this school reading list, you know, it would be, Mm -hmm. you have to read these books every night. And she said, you know, Mm -hmm. what that's doing is infringing on the spontaneity of our relationship of just Mm -hmm. what books do we want to read? What are we interested in doing together? And so, and then my my other girlfriend, who's a teacher, she was piping in in this conversation and saying, well, yeah, but not every kid has parents who want to spontaneously read. So you've got families that are dealing with different resources and different issues. So in my friend's family, she's thinking, of course, I'm going to read to my child at night. My friend, Erin, who's a teacher was saying that's such a, I mean, that's really a privileged situation because a lot of kids, if their parents don't have something laid out, their parents won't won't read to them at night. So, I mean, that's where I think the struggle gets with this kind of stuff is where it gets more complicated. It's not just about the homework. It's about what is that family environment like. Jenny, do you want to say something? Then I have something to say to Elizabeth's
2: friend. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, <laughs> well, it's it's tricky as a teacher and I teach beyond kind of this, this, this type of work. And it's hard as a teacher to put information out to parents knowing that each parent has a different lens and a different home experience. I've worked with families that don't even have books at home. Right. And then I have parents that are probably reading four hours a day to their kids just because they have the time and their kids enjoy that. And so that is a challenging piece as as a teacher. and, And that's where it's so important for parents to feel empowered to bring up a concern with the teacher if they haven't and not in an attacking way just saying hey can i explain our family situation we get home at 6 30 at night this is the time we get to be with our kids and we don't want it to be about fighting
1: Yeah. yeah
0: we
2: want to make sure we're keeping this relationship or maybe it's a parent saying okay we don't even have those books that you're recommending we read or we don't even have books like can you help provide us like whatever end of of the spectrum and so i think it's important too, from a teacher's point to build relationships with the parents that they feel comfortable coming and explaining their 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 situation we can't we can't know it always if we aren't if that isn't shared with us yeah and I, and i would say that
1: and this is what i really tried to do and i just would encourage young parents to do it is to think of the teacher's perspective first if most if you know this teacher and you know that they're trying to do good work you have to sort of see what they're trying to do through their lens it's got to be a team. It can't be, well, our family likes to do this, mm-hmm. so we don't like that you've given us this reading list. I mean, yeah. I just feel like as a parent, you have to look at that reading list and say, wow, I don't know these books. And mm-hmm. you have to sort of impart to your kids, look what your teacher's given us. Isn't this cool? Look at this book list. If you gripe about it at home, that is going to be a bad trend. Oh, definitely. Yes. <laughs> that it's gonna, that and is you just need, trick. even if you and your heart are thinking, I wish I could read what I want to read to my kids, well, then do it on Saturday and Sunday. If you want your kids to have a really good time in school and ease through school, you have got to be on the teacher side. I mean, obviously there are extremes. I'm, you know, I had, there yeah. were probably two teachers in both of my son's academic careers, that I actually had to go in and say, I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. But I expressed Mm -hmm. that to the teacher, not to my son, he would come home and tell me Mm -hmm. what was going on. I'm like, Oh, okay, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I would go to the teacher in terms of like book lists and what the teachers are giving. Like you said, Jenny, if it's reasonable, Mm -hmm. then I think as a parent, you have to get on the teacher train. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you can't, you can't be an impediment to what they're trying to do in the classroom, especially Mm -hmm. with you know, in some of these classrooms where the class sizes are so big, the range of what they're dealing with is something that most of us as parents can't even imagine. Well, that's, that is totally true. Yeah. I wonder
0: about though, getting, so getting in those habits that you were talking about, Jenny, because, mm-hmm. you know, micromanage micromanaging is not good. Undermanaging is not good. So it seems mm-hmm. like you found a system that's has worked in order to achieve this goal of independence for your children as they prepare to leave your nest. So what were you instituting early on? What did the evenings look like that you felt really worked? And then maybe were there things that you tried that you were like, well, shoot, man, this doesn't work.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and I should preface it too by saying that school has come fairly easy for my kids. Neither of them have um, any diagnosed special needs or mental health concerns at at this time. And so I, I think that is important to know that this might look different if For a child everybody. does have um, cognitive delays or is struggling with anxiety. And, yeah. and we can talk about that a little bit later if you'd like to. But the, the biggest thing, I think it's so important what you said, Marjorie, is to make sure that we feel and show to the children that we are a team with with the teacher. And so when I'm mentioning parents going to the teacher with concern to make sure it is not attacking, that it is a place of you have positive intent, I have positive intent, how can we kind of work this out together? Because honestly, as a teacher, some of those conversations, when parents have come to me, are where I've learned the most. So, and giving me more perspective of, of kind of, the range that, that, I'm, that I'm working with. So the big thing too was when, when they would get home from school when they were young, first of all, we kind of have an idea from the school, from their teacher, how much homework they would have, if anything. Or this school, I feel like a lot of schools are pretty good about laying that out because they understand that parents, this is something that's on their mind. Uh, so we were very well aware of, of that to begin with. And we would have a a specific time that they would get it done. And a lot of times I wanted it to be like before they go out and play after they got home. But, I could tell that they needed something different. They needed that yeah. time to go to go out and play. And sometimes they would choose to just get it done because they just knew then they didn't have to think about it. But yeah. having a quiet space that they can do it where the TV isn't on, they're not necessarily watching other siblings
0: play as they're having <laughs> doing homework. <laughs> that seems um, like a cruel yeah. and unusual punishment. <laughs> right, exactly. You
2: know, like, I mean, it's hard because a lot of families, there's a lot of kids and yeah. there might be younger kids that are, that don't have homework yet, of course, because they're too little. And so just kind of setting up the environment so they're not totally being set up to dislike what, what they have to do and, <laughs> and just kind of giving it some perspective. It can be a really great time for parents to be able to see what the child is doing at school and to be able to gauge if they're grasping the material, because sometimes that can get missed at school um, until there's some sort of an assessment, or the child may not necessarily be able to articulate to their teacher what they're not grasping, but they might be able to to their parent. Um, so that, I mean, that's some some aspects of homework that can be that can and be really great.
1: I think too that point of making a space for the homework, and this goes back to uh-huh. being on the same team, and that was always really important in our house, Jenny. And I think it made a difference is when the kids were in, you know, when they had, were starting to get homework. So by first and third grade is when I really remember thinking, okay, we've got to set up a special place for them. They know this is where they go to do their homework. And so we had a little bay window and I had found founded an antique store, an old study carol double-sided study mm-hmm. carol and so mm-hmm. I just put that in the bay window. I have two kids so they each had a side of the study carol and that's where they would do their homework and it was sort of like I always wanted and this Elizabeth obviously comes from somebody who loved homework. So, <laughs> <I
2: know>.
1: but, <laughs> but but what it what it told them is, is like this is important and this can be I wouldn't say that I made it fun but it was early on it be, became the priority of this is a part of our day now. Let's do it in this space. Everything in the house sort of revolves around you guys having the space to do it. I think that matters that you, that you show them that this is a good thing, not to gripe about it, not to say, oh, you've got so much homework today. Say, what do you got today? It's such an easy, I think, mental shift for the parents. And I know it's hard. I know everybody's busy. But if you infuse them with not giving them, like if you don't give them the space to do it and you don't give them the support to do it and you don't get excited about it, all of that's going to translate to them.
0: So how much do you let them feel the consequences, though? That's what I wonder from Ooh, you, Jenny, yeah. of... Because at some point in life, if you don't show up to work, you're going to get fired, right? (laughs) I mean, everybody has these stories from people who go to college. I have so many stories from adults that I know who will share that they went to college and they just didn't go to class. As soon as they realized that no one was babysitting them and they didn't (laughs) have to go, they failed out of classes in college. I mean, and so what I wonder is... How early are you letting them feel the consequences of not doing something mm-hmm. so that they learn for themselves to do it? Because the consequences just get bigger as you get older. Right, right.
2: We have we have, and I have this laid out in, in my book in one of the chapters. It's a tool called Needs to Privileges. I don't love the word privileges. I like to think of it more as extras. And so starting at about six as a family, we... Filled this out together, and under the responsibilities category, it, it, it did include school and homework as as some of the responsibilities, also household chores that they they had, and then the extras category or privileges, which when you're looking at the this these lists, it's at the bottom. So it's hard to do without a visual. I apologize, but that life has to happen in this order. Okay, we can't. Oh, we can't I love this. Go go to work and take care of our responsibilities if we don't have food and proper shelter and all of that. So we need those needs first and then we take care of the responsibilities and then we have the extras. And what goes in the extras category in our family is sports. For some years it was music um, until music was a part of their school, like part of their education. Other families might put that up in responsibilities. The extras also would include playing with friends and, and all of that. And so if, say, they had soccer that night, and they hadn't finished their homework yet they wouldn't go to soccer whoa and Jenny.
1: but they knew this right they knew this they because knew this. And, yep. and the
2: thing is what's really key with that is it wasn't me putting that as a punishment it was hey this is these are the choices that you made and this is the order that life needs to happen and so love this. to make it feel like they chose that so They might still be a little mad at me about that decision, but they're feeling it more than than they're feeling upset with me. So they're mad at themselves,
0: essentially. They're disappointed in themselves, which that then motivates change versus just being mad at you. See, Marjorie, I told you Jenny's good. She knows her stuff.
1: You do, and this is brilliant, and I hope everybody hears this because – What that does is just imagine the night when you're telling your kid you're not going to soccer because you didn't finish your homework and the yelling or the fighting or the whatever or the anger that might come from that. What you've done, Jenny, is sort of you've taken away all of the power of any argument that they might have. And you've removed so much of the emotion. Emotion. It's like here it is on paper. This is what we do. And I love say it again. You said these are the things that have to. How did you say it?
2: This is this is the order that life has to happen. Yeah. And again, oh, like I we wouldn't, that. if we skip work, it's one thing if we have a day off, but if we skip work, we probably shouldn't go for happy hour, right? Like, I mean, right. we totally skip <laughs> out. Like, if I didn't go my day of teaching when I should have, I should not go hang out with my friends. Yeah. I shouldn't go to happy yeah. hour. I may do that, but... <laughs>
0: About it is but, funny but when you see people is. who call in sick, and then you see their social media photos, and they're at happier, right. and they're like, "I was feeling so much better in the afternoon." <laughs> Before <By> <laughs> right but maybe I mean, maybe
2: not thinking that decision through <laughs> on their part. <laughs> But, Jenny, I
1: have to tell you, like, my mind is a little blown. Like, sometimes when we have guests like you, I just think, oh, my gosh, that's so valuable. I wish I had had those words. This is Mm -hmm. the order that life has to happen. Listen, I need those words
0: now. I know. I know. I'm 38 years old, and I need it for myself. I'm thinking about myself more than my kids right now.
2: It's interesting, though, because I will have some parents push back on that and really wanting to be the one to like to instill a punishment. And the difference between punishment and like discipline and consequences is those are to guide and to teach, where a punishment is you're going to hurt because of this, yeah. And that's not a par- oh. the type of parent child relationship most of us want to be having with our child, okay. and so I think it's important to kind of step back and, and look at that. Everyone, well, of course, there is a kid that could care less, yeah. they might be like, Well, I don't really want to go to soccer anyway, yeah, or I don't really have friends, like, so that is a whole other variable, and that gets yeah. tricky. So it's not like it goes awesome for every single family, because um, I certainly have had kids look right at their parents and like, huh eh, I, I didn't want to do that anyways. Well, I you love know? what and, you and, said
0: about the punishment, though, because that's what, <laughs> as we look at, you know, our kids and kind of discipline, I hate I hate the word <laughs> discipline. I just feel, I feel like that <laughs> immediately... the hippie you. <laughs> I know. I feel like it turns into a power struggle and a control issue. To me, that means power <clears throat> and control, and I'm not right. interested... Mm-hmm in overpowering my children or controlling them. I'm interested in raising them to be independent people. Mm -hmm. That is like number one on my list. I want them to be independent people who can accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. Like that's goal number one. And then I want them to be kind through the, on the road. But, but when you say a punishment is you will hurt because of this, Mm -hmm. I just feel like that it's such a, when you talk about punishment like that it's such a mm-hmm. slippery slope to shame and humiliation and yeah. i feel like it's yeah. so easy to yeah. get there with punishment and that's and mm-hmm. i i truly believe that shame and humiliation have no place in parenting and no place yeah. in humanity in life, in yeah. life at yeah. all yeah. yeah and so yeah. when you say that it's it i love this idea of just separating this is what this is the order that life has to happen in mm-hmm. and so if life doesn't happen in these in the, that order, these are the consequences that happen, yep. and you remove that emotion yeah. and that yeah. control issue from it. It's so yeah. good, Jenny. Well,
2: kind of like when it's bedtime, it, you can instead of you saying like it's bedtime, blame it on the clock. <laughs> like the clock, yeah. it's bedtime. <laughs> you know, like if you have kids that aren't so sure if they want to be heading to bedtime. You know, there's all sorts of ways that you can kind of work things in your favor, and it's not a form of manipulation. It's just, it's no. I guess taking advantage of. Or taking, realizing you want to get the emotion out of it as yeah. much as possible because and there's already so much emotion involved in in parenting. And the reality is, our job is to work ourselves out of a job as parents, yes, yes, right? Absolutely. Like, not that we aren't still their parents when they're adults, but. Our role continues to evolve and change, and I think it's super important in all things with parenting, but especially with the homework, to step back like, okay, if our end goal is for them not to need me for this, then how do I best help them? So if they're asking for help with their homework, a great phrase is, well, I can help you by showing you how. Instead of, I'm not going to do it for you. Same with a young child that needs help getting dressed. Like, instead of just getting them dressed for them, even though you know they can do it, or if it's a new, maybe they're just learning how to zip up their pants or zip up their jacket. Like, well, I can help you by teaching you how, or I can help you by by showing you how that is going to be more empowering to the child than just doing it for them.
1: It goes back to again, and I—I'll just keep saying it. I think is it goes back to the attitude of the parents coming to the homework. So yeah, you don't want to do your homework for your kids, and quite frankly, once they're in high school, you know, unless you've got a great memory, I
0: you can't yeah, do it. No, it, it no way. It gets pretty
1: tricky. I mean, you know, most kids are doing calculus by junior year, so good luck with that. Um, right. But. But I think, you know, one of the joys of parenting, and this again is Elizabeth, a reevaluation of your feelings about homework. Because part of it is the joy of, you know, I love to write. And so when kids would, my kids would have to write papers, I certainly couldn't write them for them but it was so fun to say let me proofread it for you mm-hmm. let me let me see what you're doing because i loved yeah. reading their work i mean that was mm-hmm. sometimes i mean i don't want to make it seem you know sometimes it was so magical if, all these magical if, book reports no they sparkles. weren't <laughs> actually as it as it's coming out of my mouth it's like you sometimes <laughs> not so great but i mean but it was it was fun to be a part of that process and not doing it for them, but saying, oh, wow, this is a great sentence or, oh, this transition isn't as good as it can be, or I'm confused with this sentence. I think you can clarify that, but not being mad that I was, you know, that I was reading it, being happy that I was seeing sort of how their thought processes were working. So yes, not all sparkling, but, but I liked being a part, I liked being a part of that process. And I think Mm -hmm. wherever you can find the joy in doing it with them, or at least mm-hmm. the patience, if it's not joy, the patience of doing some of that with them and showing them how, not doing the homework, mm-hmm. but showing them how. Look at that as a good thing.
0: So how do you instill, Jenny, the idea that because we are in a grade focused society, right? I mean, I was just at a mm-hmm. at a, an event last night and I was talking with some women who have kids that are graduating from high school and they were talking about, you know, just the competition that was happening with how many kids from their school got into whatever college, you know, mm-hmm. what was Going on, I mean, and they were saying uh, one of the women is sending her daughter is going to the great University of Wisconsin Madison, the greatest Mm -hmm. institution that has ever lived. I mean, it's fabulous, it was phenomenal.
2: Yes, I was
0: just thrilled, and we were talking about the competition to get in, and she was saying that in her experience, she felt like Wisconsin valued a GPA higher than an ACT score, and then other schools might be different. So I just wonder though, how are you? How can you at home support that idea? that Marjorie was talking about of being a lifelong learner and curiosity and loving to learn, not just based on the grade, when the bottom line yeah. is the grade is often what gets you to the next step. It's tough.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're definitely, I, I'm struggling with this personally as a parent right now, yeah. as a junior, and starting to look at colleges. And since he has done so well, thinking about, okay, well, he has two years that that could change and trying not to, I don't want him stressed his last two years of height, overly stressed. I mean, some level of stress is appropriate and, right. and needed, but it helps um, them grow. It helps them it grow. Is, right. One of the things that we have instilled at dinner time is that we ask them, ever, well, I mean, my husband and I do it too. But with them, like something that excited them about something they learned at school. Because we, I feel like we had one year where they were both kind of grouchy about school, and I don't really know what that was about. And so, when we started the next school year, we were like, "All right, this is going to be different. I want you to be looking at school from a different, a different angle." And so that really kind of shifted things, and it would spark conversations within all of us about just kind of, well, what is, what is that? How does that pertain to? Um, regular life beyond school, and what will you do with that information? Not that every night was like that. Sometimes we're eating dinner quick. Yeah, for we sure. A few sentences out before we have to head to the next thing. But I, I think that that helps. But also looking at what does the the school provide as a whole. You know, Marjorie, you explained just a beautiful situation that your boys were in with their school, and I think some schools are so great about developing the whole child and. Other schools, their focus is so much on the academics that I I have big worries about kids that are at those types of schools because they're so focused on that that end goal of a grade. And does that really make them, going to make them a successful human being and a kind human being? And so I think that piece is important. And uh, yeah, I don't know if know, I'm answering that. No, that's that's you, I, no I think but, that, I did. And, and that I,
0: tangible example of that dinner idea is really mm-hmm. great because it does encourage that whole child. And I think when you're looking at schools, you know, we live in the city. So all everybody talks to me about is what are you doing for school? What are you doing mm-hmm. for school? I mean, Bernadette's going to be in kindergarten next year. And yeah, I grew up in the yeah. suburbs where you just send your kid to the school that they can walk mm-hmm. to I mean that's it yeah. and then now in the city I'm like what are you people doing this is madness there's all there's honestly so many even in schools. the suburbs
2: people aren't necessarily just going to the neighborhood school anymore I so mean, it's it bleeding is, like, over it's,
0: okay it's not it's just it's me here it's kind of stressful
2: <laughs> how <laughs> I mean, much shopping parents do for schools and I think some of it can really pay off and some of it it just gets overboard like like and the, the thing to keep in mind is, as you are looking, if you if it doesn't go well, you can always switch the next year. You know? Like it doesn't
0: have that's to. That's the be. thing. That's true. You uh,
1: navigate it all along the way. I think, uh, and and I think you know we had some resources that by middle school, so the the school that our kids transferred to was seventh through senior year. So it was a six year. You know, it was middle school and high school together, and it was a very small school. And that that school met sort of what I wanted. my children. I went to a high school where I was very focused on school. I was very focused on the academics for myself. And I think it was because that was our family value. And when I look back, I don't regret it because I learned a lot. I, I did the work. I think it sort of made me who I was. But at the same time, I also think that I was overly focused on the academics and I missed out on some of just The fun of being a teenager in that sense because I was was so focused and I don't think I was necessarily enjoyed it in the way that it was about learning as opposed
0: to it was about the grades. Well, you did get a lot of joy out of that 45-page World War II report, I bet.
1: I did, but I often think I was a little too serious for my own good, just perhaps a titch. And so I think that you, what you said is so smart, Jenny, is I think, Elizabeth, I can remember it's in my head, the chatter about schools, you know, when they're little, and I mean, my kids went to three different schools because we lived in two different cities. And so they went to the sweetest little public school in Atlanta. It was just wonderful. And so sort of through K through third and fourth grade, it was just lovely. And then fourth through sixth and seventh, they went to a small Catholic parochial school. And then after that, they went to a small private high you know, middle school, high school. So they went to three different schools, all of them sort of different. But we tried to negotiate what was good for them. You're not making the choice for life. So you can take some of the pressure out of it. That's
0: true. That is really helpful. When you're at home, Jenny, I mean, when you think about the biggest things that parents can do to just make homework not something to dread – I mean, what are like your top couple? Because I think as we're getting back into the school year, I mean, my my girlfriends start thinking like, oh man, here we go. It's like the pace just starts to pick up. And it's just sort of that yeah. feeling of like that feeling at your home. And when we talk about, you know, the whole child, and then here on this podcast, mm-hmm. we talk about the whole family and the whole home. home. So yeah. it can yeah. really impact just the, the feeling of the groove of your house. It starts to feel a little bit more frenetic as fall hits, as much as I love that fresh start. So what are the things that you think we can do to sort of just chill out a little bit?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's super helpful for families to sit down before school starts, which I know a lot of schools, they only, they start in like a week, um, sit down and kind of make a family plan. We'll certainly do that in the next week and just, okay. So when asking the kids and, and this conversation would obviously look very different when they were littler, but still the same types of things like, okay, so when, when will you get your play time in? That would be when they're little. When will you plan to get your homework time in? Um, where do you want to and do your homework. Some of those things that if they've never had those conversations before would just be great to have now. And if they have had them before, just to revisit them. So that's just kind of and write those things down and post them somewhere where the family can keep looking at them. So it's um, it doesn't have to all, kind of all fall on the parents. Did you do this? Did you do that? You know, to, to be able to say, oh, go check, go check your list or go check what we had decided as a family. And keeping in mind like where they do their homework could be, it might be very different for a kid. Like for some, it might be laying on their tummy on the ground. Yeah doing their homework they might need to move their body in a different way. They might be standing up at a table as they're doing it or whatever whatever it might be. The other thing that's super important for parents to look at is the, the child's executive function skills, which a lot of those are developed in early childhood. But if they weren't developed well in early childhood, they could be seeing the results of that in elementary and later, which that involves like working memory, organization, time management. Oh, this is Some so interesting. Some of these like homework, like struggles with homework all fall around that like it's because the child isn't managing their time well or or whatever so a, a book that i recommend to parents on that topic is called smart but scattered uh written by peg dawson and richard i don't know how to say his last name it's G-U-A-R-E. Oh gosh, and I feel like this is
0: my life. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> wow. I mean, you just said that title and I was like, wait, Jenny, did they write that book for me? Was... <laughs> I think they wrote it for me too.
2: <laughs> what I love is there's a, you can take like a quiz in there to determine where your child is on executive function skills. So Elizabeth, for you, you'd be able to take it for Bernadette, not Franklin since he's only two, but yes, Please it's don't make Franklin do it.
0: No, Franklin is a wild animal. He cannot <laughs> yes, be tamed yes. currently. Currently, yes. <laughs> <That's okay>. Executive <laughs> function
1: not there yet. <laughs> yes,
2: yeah. And then you would take it yourself. I mean, you would, you would take it for her. It's not like you're quizzing her on it, but and then you can kind of see like where there's a mis- mismatch. So when I've done this with some families, like where parents are having a lot of frustration is if they have like amazing time management skills and their child has none yet like or opposite because a lot of times that's where conflict can happen is if we just can't understand it like if we have such amazing organization skills or time management skills it's kind of hard for us to grasp why somebody else wouldn't and once we can understand that and then the book breaks it down and there's a a bunch more categories and I'm not remembering all of them right now but all the different inhibitory control self, just self-control with emotions and such and then it talks about the different activities um, that you can do to help build those skills in children at home and school.
0: That's a great recommendation.
1: Elizabeth, this may be one of, and Jenny, Jenny, first of all, you're amazing. I I wish I had known you 20 years ago you're amazing because that right there executive function skills to be able to Mm -hmm. label that identify it see where the weaknesses are in your Mm -hmm. child just ever so subtly you know don't make like you said you're not quizzing Bernadette but that you're sort of looking at that because those and I had never heard them called that before. You know, it always, mm-hmm. you just think of it as organization. But those yeah. skills, I would say, and Jenny, please tell me if I'm wrong, would be one of the biggest definers of how your child will have, what their academic career will look like. And yeah. I'm not talking about yeah. grades. I'm talking yeah. about how they flow through school. Problem solve, yeah. yeah. All yeah. of that.
2: And, and what's, that helps to be able to identify those two, because if the child, if there's homework struggles or even problems in school... Is it about the content? Like, is the material too challenging for them? Or is or, it about executive function skills? Because then yes. we're, we're looking at completely different different things. And so that's something that, that we should all kind of have, have an eye on. And it's interesting because a lot of assessment tools that even early childhood programs use don't always include um, executive function skills, even key. though they're such... So important for exactly what you said. There's so much research that that shows that those are really what have a greater impact this on. Is, um, and, what,
1: and one overall. would mask the That's, other. One would mask mask the other. I think yeah. so many times yeah. this is so brilliant, Jenny, because I think I'm getting so excited for all you young <laughs> so mothers great. out there. Because one, if your kid can't function, if if all of those little processes aren't happening, you might think it's a that he's having trouble or she's having trouble with the content. Yeah. When really it's just a matter of sort of reteaching how to get through the flow of it.
0: I can imagine you'd probably learn a lot about yourself as you go through that too. Because I see so much... Of myself in Bernie, we were just talking last night. We had a babysitter last night, and when we got home, we said t- to Ellie, "How did she? How'd they do? And what happened?" And mm-hmm. Ellie had brought her. Ellie's into making friendship bracelets. Like all so the cute. kids are into Mine. making friendship bracelets, which is so yeah. fun. So she brought her friendship bracelet <laughs> kit over so cute. to make bracelets with Bernie <laughs> and Frank. You know, Frankie, of course, he he yeah. can't be tamed. He can't He's... make a breakfast or a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> what am I hungry? He can't make a friendship <laughs> bracelet. <laughs> That's funny, I didn't eat it today breakfast today. There you go. But I got home and I said, I'm Um hungry. how did she do with did she have fun making them? And she was like, Oh my gosh, she loved it. I showed her like the simple ones and they both went to bed wearing their bracelets Aww. that Ellie made with them last night. But I said, Does she did she get frustrated if she didn't get it? And she said, mm-hmm. no, she did pretty well, but we were working on some writing things and she was really frustrated when she couldn't write the, the letter V. And huh. Jay laughed and goes, oh, I wonder where she gets that. Because we've been having these conversations that if Bernadette doesn't isn't good at something right away, she gets very frustrated, and this is so me. I mean, if I'm not good at something right away, I'm like, I am not interested in doing any of this. Where my husband, who is a former athlete and a professional athlete, I mean, he just is so skilled at the practice and doesn't get flustered yep. by not being good right away. He loves the repetition oh. of the practice huh. and getting good. And so he's been having conversations with her about, hey, you know what? No one is good at something right away. You know, we work on things. We practice. Oh, I love and this. we're, you know, I'm not good at something right away. And so when he's saying this to her, you guys, I'm listening You're and listening? nodding yeah. and going like, I need this talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it, it goes back... Oh, so what I, would, I think I said this in an earlier podcast. A part of the beauty of parenting is sort of getting to relive your own childhood and
0: fixing those issues no along the way. No so this kidding. is good. It's this good. is good. Well, Jenny, we have to have you back because when you touched oh on that idea of um, – childhood anxiety you know we did an episode Mm -hmm. on anxiety in adults and in women in particular a few months ago and it was our highest listened to episode Mm -hmm. i know that's something that resonates so promise us that you'll come back maybe even in the next few weeks so that we can talk about that idea of kids being anxious and especially as we head back into the school year um how we can help with that
2: it's interesting because i'm i'm actually i just started working um very part-time with st mary's university and i'm writing we're putting together a, a specialization for masters of education students on mental health. And so I'm, I'm writing one of the, the college courses um, to be able to help teachers um, navigating different social emotional needs that, that their students are having because they're so great right now. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a hot topic to keep in mind is the expectation in school right now is so much higher than the three of us experienced as little kids, especially that what the teachers have to get through. And so it is, it is kind of a a whole, whole different world. But I I think the biggest thing for parents to remember is so much of who their child will be, will be because of what they do at home. And that Mm -hmm. parent child relationship should trump everything else. And it doesn't mean you you need to have limits and all of that, like they they are going to get upset with us. But if homework starts taking over the parent child relationship, That's a problem. Oh, I love that. I can figure, figure that out.
0: Oh, Jenny, you're the best. Thank you so much. We loved having having you. This is so much fun. And, um, Promise us you'll come back. We'd love talking yes, to you.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'd love to. Jenny, thank I always you. think about podcasts and like the little pieces of wisdom along the way. I couldn't, you should see my notes. <laughs> I could not write fast enough and I'm not raising any children. I don't know why I'm taking notes, but it was just so good. So thank you. Really
0: good. Thank you, Jenny. Have a great day. Thank, thank you. you. You too. Okay. Thanks, Jenny. Bye. Take care. Isn't she the best, Marjorie?
1: I I was getting goosebumps. I know. Because what she's talking about, and and you're going to know this soon enough, is so crucial to who your children will become how you deal with the stress that they have with homework with school with identifying where the problems are has such an impact on what they will be for the rest of their lives i don't mean to put too much much pressure on all of you a lot (laughs) but her but her advice is such good advice I, i keep going over this is the order that life has to happen That's such an amazing statement that empowers children at such a young age to know that the choices they make, the consequences will come, but they were a part of those consequences and wiping out the idea of punishment. That's huge right there, and that is so closely tied to the homework struggle. I
0: totally agree, and I think she... What I love about Jenny is I just think that she's always so great at sharing the tangible things that you can do Yes, with always the caveat that not all families look the same, same. and that kids are going to have different struggles and more intense yeah. struggles. That being said, she also is has such a beautiful stress on that idea of the whole person. Yeah, I mean, She has a holistic view of who... Our little people are. And so it's just really great. I'm going to make sure on our social media pages, I will link up her book as well as the book that she mentioned. So that you can just click right through and be able to get those if you're interested. And we can continue the conversation on our Facebook group and all of that. Or what kind of things that you guys are doing to make sure that homework isn't destroying your home. It, It really is. I mean, it's if you are having a battle every night. Yeah. at home whatever that battle is that is that's having an impact on your nest and we're here to try to make it a peaceful nest with a breakfast sandwich apparently i need a breakfast sandwich <laughs> bad Hot diggity dog. I got to go <laughs> find <right>. one. <laughs>
1: That's right. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast and share it with a
0: friend. If you have a moment, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts. And I just want to say thank you. think that she's always so great at sharing the tangible things that you can do. Yes. With always the caveat that not all families look the same. same. And that kids are going to have different struggles and more intense yeah. struggles. That being said, she also is has such a beautiful stress on that idea of the whole person. Yeah, She has a holistic view of who our little people are. And so it's just really great. I'm going to make sure on our social media pages, I will link up her book as well as the book that she mentioned right. so that you can just click right through and be able to get those if you're interested and we can continue the conversation on our Facebook group and all of that or what kind of things that you guys are doing to make sure that homework isn't, you know, destroying your home—it it really is. I mean, it's if you are having a battle every night, yeah. at home, whatever that battle is, that is, you know, that's having an impact on your nest, and um, and we're here to try to make it a peaceful nest with a breakfast sandwich. Apparently, I need a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> bad. Hot diggity dog. I got to go find one.
1: That's right. (laughs) If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast and share it with a friend. If you have a moment, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts. So I just want to say thank you to Bluefish Wellness. She said, I can't quit listening. Having the familiar voices of Elizabeth and Marjorie was just the beginning of wonderful in this completely fabulous podcast. They both gently and gracefully show their human side when it comes to being a mother, a spouse, employee, and person. This beautiful experience has me laughing in my car writing tips on scrap scraps of paper and feeling like a normal person thank you for sharing your experiences It validates the things I'm also experiencing. I love the guests you are choosing and the topics you are addressing. Please keep producing these podcasts. And I read this because that makes me feel so good and I'm so grateful. So thank you for those sweet words. We love it. Thank
0: you. And please reach out to us too. We love those reviews. You can find both of us on Instagram at best to the nest or at Eliz Reese and at it's me Marjorie one. We are also on Facebook and Twitter. Join our best to the nest Facebook group. There's lots of fun conversations conversations happening there. Okay, Marjorie, until next time, and mark your calendars. Don't forget, August 31st, 1030 a.m., 5 Eyewitness News Building, Minnesota State Fair. Best to the nest goes live. (laughs) Enjoy your breakfast sandwich. Thank you.